everyone. My name is David Smith, and this is the Armchair Commentary, a podcast that takes you down sports memory lane. Every week we find an older sporting event, I won't always say old, and we relive it. Whether it's home runs, wrestling, basketball, hockey, football, we do it all. The music for this podcast is provided by Upbeat.io. Check out Upbeat.io for all of the music used inside this podcast. If you are interested in reading the show notes to this show, you can actually head over to WordPress Armchair Commentary. Uh, I have it linked in the description, so don't forget to check that out. It will also be in the notes of this podcast. Last but not least, I want to thank each and every one of you for taking the time to download this episode, to listen to this episode from wherever you are. Uh, It's free, but it means a lot to me. So thank you. Without further ado, let's get into it. So things were status quo in Patriotland in the year 2006. Tom and Bill were up to basically the same thing they've been up to for the past several years. Since 2001, the Patriots have been a juggernaut, a sure thing in the playoffs. They had finished with a pretty normal 12 and four, which is an exceptional record. But you know, if you're a Patriot fan at this point, that probably wasn't good enough. You were gonna go face the Jets in the wild card, and you know, the season was going okay, but something was brewing in 2006. And it wasn't a dynasty. And to tell you a little bit more about the other side of this exceptional story is Indianapolis Colts superfan, Zach Cantrell. So while the Patriots were the class of the league, having won three of the previous five Super Bowls, the Colts were known as the franchise that couldn't get it done come playoff time. Spectacular 41-0 loss to the Jets in 2002. Losses to the Patriots in 03 and 04. And the coup de grace the year before. The Colts started 13-0. and and looked like they were going to be the first undefeated team since the 72 Dolphins. Nope. They lost to the Steelers in the divisional round because Nick Harper got stabbed by his girlfriend the night before and Ben Roethlisberger tackled him. And Mike Vanderjack missed a field goal so wide right, didn't even hit the net. So 2006, how's that for a follow-up? They still went 9-0 and to start that season, but they lost four of their last seven because they couldn't tackle anybody. Fred Taylor and Maurice Jones-Drew had a game where they nearly combined a rush for 400 yards as a duo. Ron Dane ate them alive. They were not a good football team the second half of the year. The 12 and four record looked good on paper, but the reality was no Colt fan went into the 2006 postseason thinking anything more than another playoff collapse. The wildcard round started for the New England Patriots as most wildcard rounds had started. In fact, it was strange that the Patriots were in a wildcard round not getting the bye. We'll get to that in a little bit. The Patriots were going up against the New York J-E-T-S Jet Jet Jets. Chad Pennington was their opponent, and he was pretty good, actually. 23 for 40 and 300 yards of the touchdown, but could not stop Lawrence Maroney, could not stop Tom Brady, but more importantly, the defense just wouldn't let them score. 
a dominant fourth quarter and an absolute drubbing 37 to 16 win the patriots were looking patriot-like you're looking at a team that should easily make its way to the super bowl right not so much in indianapolis they played the kansas city chiefs the chiefs who needed four things to happen for them to get into the playoffs on the final day and somehow did they had Larry Johnson, the second leading rusher in the NFL that season. With the Colts' run defense being what it was, a lot of folks thought the Chiefs were going to run the Colts out of the stadium yet again. Didn't happen. Bob Sanders came back fully healthy, and the Colts won 23-8. to But if you look closer at the game, they dominated way more than that. They tripled the Chiefs' yardage total, and if not for selling for three field goals, they would have won the game 35-8 to or something like that. And for the first time, the Colts finally thought, you know what? We got Peyton Manning. Now we got a defense. Who knows? Got a chance. And while the Colts on the other side were trying to find their way to get over this hump, the Patriots were looking to maintain exactly what has happened. Four of the last six years, they wanted to win a championship. They thought this could be the year. Standing in their way was a standout running back and all-around stud LaDainian Tomlinson, Antonio Gates, and Philip Rivers, who at the time, coming into his own as a pretty upstart quarterback here. The Chargers came into this game, I would say, with a great opportunity to take out the Patriots, but it wasn't so. Tom came in and did what Tom does, another comeback chance. Every time Tom had an opportunity, he took them down the field. Nate Kading hit a 54-yard field goal with three seconds left uh, in one of the quarters and still couldn't get it done. LT, Phillip Rivers, Antonio Gates, three guys who should have won. Push comes to shove, gotten a victory. And they didn't. Tom Brady just kept doing what Brady does best, winning games. Off to the AFC Championship once again. Super Bowl looking like a near possible fact. Mark it on your calendars. Patriots are going to the Super Bowl. That was the headline. In Indianapolis, the day before, they went on the road to Baltimore. The 2006 Ravens are one of the forgotten great defenses in NFL history because unlike the 2000 Ravens, that team had Ed Reed on it. But they also had Ray Lewis, Elodie Nada, Terrell Suggs. They actually held their opponents to fewer points in the regular season than the vaunted 2000 Ravens. And at quarterback, they had Steve McNair, former co-MVP, along with Peyton Manning. The Ravens were many people's pick to win the AFC. And the Ravens did a good job defensively. They held the Colts to 15 points, didn't give up a single touchdown. The Colts never won those games, did they? Not until this time. The Colts went to Baltimore, held the vaunted Raven offense to only six points, less than 300 total yards of offense. And by the way, the Colts had a difference maker. And on that day, it wasn't number 18. It was a former Patriot, Adam Vinatieri. Five field goals, four of them being 40 yards or longer, were the difference in that game. The Colts never win playoff games like this. And now, coupled with the Patriots upsetting San Diego the next day, now it's all set up. And for once, the Colts and the Patriots are going to play, not under the frozen cold weather in New England, but under the warm, climate-controlled dome of Indianapolis. 
Colts fans went from thinking the 2006 playoffs was going to be just another one and done or another failure to the moment is finally here. If we can't get it done now, it's never going to happen. And on that note, the Indianapolis Colts finally meet the New England Patriots in the playoffs in Indy. And the Patriots get off to a great start. But for this story, I think it's important to hear from the other side. So, Zach, take it away. Oh, boy. If you're an Indianapolis Colts fan, the first 18 or so minutes were your lifelong dystopian nightmare. They were down 21 to 3. Sante Samuel jumps right in front of Marvin Harrison, pick six. The air completely out of the building of the old RCA dome. It's happening again. It's another Colts failure at the hand of the New England Patriots. Peyton Manning and Tony Dungy would be remembered as an all-time great quarterback and coach duo, but their kryptonite was clear. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. It was the lowest moment of a lot of Colts fans' fandom, including mine. Being 0-13 in 2011? Nope. Losing the Jaguars last year in a must-win game to go to the playoffs? Nope. At that moment, down 21-3, I was fully convinced Peyton Manning, as great as he was, was never going to win a Super Bowl. And there was no reason to believe that they could come back against the dynasty, the team that had been there, done that. Up until that point, Brady and Belichick were 11-1 and in the playoffs. There was no reason to think that the chokers in Indianapolis could ever even get back into the game, let alone win the game. At 21 to six, we go to halftime. And when we come out of halftime, what happens to the Indianapolis Colts? They played with their hair on fire. And I think the last three minutes of the first half were so important because the Patriots are up 21 to three. They're driving again. They complete a third down pass to Ben Watson to get inside the 20. Troy Brown gets called for offensive pass interference. The Patriots punt. The Colts go on their best drive of the day. They get a field goal. So there's some optimism going into that the locker room, 21 to six. They feel like they can get back into the game. The first drive confirmed that they could get back in the game. Three third down conversions, including a quarterback sneak by Peyton Manning, cut it to 21 to 13. At that moment, the fans were re-energized. Back into the game, and so were the Colts. And once they got a stop, the next series, they held Eve Evans a yard short of the first down. It became clear the Colts offense was going to move the ball. The Patriot defense had no answers other than hope Peyton would throw another back-breaking interception. And it wasn't happening on this day. Dallas Clark, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne all came up with big catches. But I think the thing that stands out about this game isn't the, those guys. It's that the people that scored were guys like Logan Mankins. And on this occasion, it's Dan Klecko. Later, we'll get to another big guy who scored a big touchdown. But Dan Klecko is the guy at the goal line who cuts it to 21 to 19. And while Phil Sims is going on aimlessly about how the Colts have to kick the extra point here, don't try to go for two to tie it. Tony Dungy doesn't listen to him. They go for the tie. They get it. 21 apiece. Down 18 to tie. There's a renewed sense of optimism and a sense that this time is going to be the time. The destiny finally is on Indianapolis's side. And then 
almost instantly, Hobbs returns to kick off 80 yards to the Colts' 21-yard line, and Brady throws a quick hitter to Jabbar Gaffney, who made a leaping catch in the back of the end zone, but landed out of bounds. So the official rule pushed yeah. well in the air, which, if you are a fan of football, was the dumbest rule ever, but... Regardless, the Patriots are back on top, 28-21. And then it was Peyton's turn and that defense's turn to take over this game. The Patriots' defense was gassed. The pass rush that was getting to Peyton in the first half was nowhere to be found in the second half, and especially early in the fourth quarter. Peyton had enough time to write a book and eat a sandwich with that offensive line protection. Peyton throws a gorgeous deep ball to Dallas Clark to set him up at the four-yard line. Dominique Rhodes, who probably should have won the MVP of the Super Bowl, but we'll get to that, fumbles the ball at the one-yard line. And again, it's another cult moment of, oh my God, we're really going to come back from 21 to three down. We're going to tie the game and we're going to fumble the ball at the one-yard line and we're going to lose again to these guys. And the ball just somehow pokes through And Jeff Saturday, the center, is the man who recovers. Centers are supposed to score in the NBA, not in the NFL. And yet Jeff Saturday is standing there spiking the ball with the game-tying touchdown. And again, it's another moment where the Colts finally realize maybe destiny's on our side. And with trading possessions, they traded some field goals, 31 apiece. The Patriots retook the lead. 34-31. And I think the lost moment, and this is a lost moment before the last Colts defensive possession, the lost moments, there's two of them. Peyton Manning hurts his thumb, and everybody thinks that's it. He can't throw the ball anymore because he hits his thumb on Saturday as soon as he's letting the ball go. He's bleeding. The Colts go three and out. Air out of the balloon. They're down three. Patriots are going to go score or at least get a couple first downs. Game over, right? Nope. Too many men in the huddle before the Patriots ever begin their possession. First and 15, third and four. Game on the line. Patriots get the first down. It's over. Tom goes back, throws a little out route to Troy Brown that they've completed, I don't know, 10 million times against the Colts and against everybody else the previous five years. But on this occasion, Bob Sanders jumps right in front of it. Should have intercepted it. Probably ran it back for a touchdown if he had. But he knocks the ball down, and he gives Peyton one more shot. And I think it's important to note that this game, especially with Manning and Brady, often ended up in the conversation of there's too much time left on the clock for Tom Brady. Well, in this case, for once, for the first time in a long time. There was too much time left on the clock for Peyton Manning. Joseph Adai, noted CFL player, I might add. Sure he was. uh, Was a huge uh, contributor here. In this game, I remember thinking, there's no way that Joseph Adai is going to beat us. Yeah, he did. But it wasn't the Joseph Adai moment that got me. It's Brady having his team on his back and the opportunity to win but marlon jackson picks him off 
And that's it. The Colts win. The Patriots are defeated. Dynasty stopped. And as you've noted, Super Bowl 40 and a half is victorious. I'd love to know what your feelings were as we kind of come out of this, how you how you felt about this game, uh, how you felt about uh, the, the series. Going into it, obviously, there was a lot on the line, but Peyton's revenge was uh, must have been a sweet moment uh, as a Colt fan. It's bigger. It was way bigger than winning the Super Bowl. It's bigger than any Colt win of my lifetime, and probably every Colt fan would agree with me. I, I, for once, had no doubt when the Colts got the ball back with two minutes to go that Peyton was going to deliver. And he hit that big, deep out route to Brian Fletcher. There was a moment, and I don't know if you remember this, there was a moment where he hits a crosser to Reggie Wayne, and Reggie Wayne gets the ball ripped from him. The ball is floating in the air. And again, it looks like, oh, no, again, the Colts are going to let it go. And it comes right back down to him. He catches it as if nothing ever happens. And how about third and two? The game's greatest quarterback at that time, perhaps. Tom Brady has an argument. Peyton decides, we're going to run the ball. We're going to give the ball to a rookie from LSU. And he scores the go-ahead touchdown, the first time the Colts led all day with one minute to go. And you said there was too much time for Peyton Manning at that moment. I'm like, oh, crap. There's too much time for Tom Brady. I've seen him do this five jillion times. And they get the ball to midfield pretty easily. Yeah. And then Tom Brady throws this ball right over the middle. And I think I blacked out for him. I really do. And Marlon Jackson, the only time I'll ever give credit to a Michigan man, he jumps right in front of it, gets the interception, goes right down. That's the loudest that dome has ever been. I remember Bob Lamy, the radio announcer, saying, Marlon's got it. We're going to the Super Bowl. It was cathartic if you're a Colts fan. It's the greatest moment because the dynasty at that moment is dead. The Col- it's almost, to me, it's the football equivalent of when the Red Sox finally beat the Yankees. After, not, not quite as long, obviously. It didn't take 100 years for the Colts to do it. But the fact that the Patriots owned that series, that Peyton could have every record in the book. He throws 49 touchdowns, and they scored three points against the Patriots that year. The Patriots never lose these kind of games. They had lost one total playoff game. The Colts were known as the Chokers. And the roles completely reversed in a half of football. And now it's Tony Dungy who's getting lifted in the air, not not Bill Belichick. It's Peyton Manning who has the ball cap on, the football, and he's going to the Super Bowl. It's Teddy Bruschi who has to congratulate him. It's not one of the Colt linebackers who has to congratulate Tom Brady. And the Bears Super Bowl was an afterthought. We didn't pay much attention. I mean, we paid attention to the game. We were obviously happy when they won, but it was destiny. You're telling me that we're going to beat Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game and we're going to lose the Super Bowl to Rex Grossman? No way. No. We won the Super Bowl that night. Every Colts fan that night felt that they won the Super Bowl, and they did. I think it's important to note that that was a real reversal of fortunes for the franchise as a whole. Yeah. Because then it wasn't just, yeah, they're a great regular season team, but come playoff time, they're nothing. And that's it's it was so good for football. Uh, and it led to many more years of kind of Peyton Brady stuff. But this was really the like the penultimate kind of battle between these guys where you had like, and I don't count the Denver stuff. The Denver games count. They're they're real. They're like Peyton won them fair and square. They're, 
his victories to have, and he absolutely dominated Brady. But this is the Peyton and Brady games that we wanted. Each guy driving their team down the field. Each defense had noted studs. Bob Sanders is a stud. Teddy Bruschi is a stud. Like, these are guys that you're looking at and you're like, they're the best in the league. They're some of the best guys on both sides of the ball. And, you know, the Super Bowl was a bit of a letdown, of course, but that game itself was probably one of the greatest football games to watch. And I put it up there, even as a Patriots fan, uh, near the 28-3 game. The 23 game for me is going to obviously be incredible simply because of the size of the comeback. All of the things that happened are not dissimilar to what happened to the Colts in this game where it's like a fumble on the one, like on the one, that's the Edelman catch in that 28-3 game to me. And the fact that Jeff Saturday gets some love here because Jeff Saturday was like the top center in the league for more than a decade and this was his moment he gets that moment i remember there was a graphic on the cbs broadcast they said three touchdowns have been scored tonight by guys who combined to weigh almost a thousand pounds with logan makins (laughs) jeff saturday and dan klecko like this to me is the most underrated great game in nfl history everybody talks about the patriots seahawks super bowl rightfully so everybody talks about the 28-3 comeback you know the eagles patriots game seems to get mentioned this game gets lost even in patriots war but the fact is this was the game that solidified the Peyton Brady rivalry because what's the old saying? It can't be a rivalry if one guy wins all the time. And yeah, Peyton had a couple regular season wins. 2005, they go up and score 40 on him. And in that regular season, the reason that the 2006 AFC Championship game was in Indianapolis instead of New England, the Colts went to New England in November and beat them. Marvin Harrison had a spectacular catch in that game. So those regular season wins were great. But until Peyton beat Tom Brady in the playoffs, all it could be was, okay, like, to a degree, Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell. Bill Russell won 11 championships. Will only won two. Will's the greatest statistical player of all time, but it's not a huge rivalry because Bill Russell won all the time. And Peyton finally got the signature win. He got the playoff win. And at that moment, he's no longer Dan Marino. Dan Marino is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but the biggest knock on him is he never won a Super Bowl. Peyton was on that path, and this that path on this day ended. Peyton won this game. He was going to win the Super Bowl. And it was a life-changing moment for him because now we could just say Peyton's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And we're not talking about him as a top three or four quarterback of all time if they don't win this game and he doesn't go on and win two Super Bowls. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, but I don't think you'd have Peyton Manning anywhere outside of your top two or three. And it's because they won on this night. And it's the best memory that I have as a Colts fan. It solidified the rivalry. And this game had everything. It had the biggest comeback in AFC Championship game history. The three fat guys scoring touchdowns. The best game that Peyton and Tom Brady ever played against each other. You got two Hall of Fame coaches and Bill Belichick and Tony Dungy. I mean, as a football fan, a game decided in the last minute. As a football fan, what else could you possibly ask for? Nothing. Uh, Zach, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Uh, I'm going to link your ColorCast stuff in the bio. Uh, where can they follow you on socials? Uh, they can follow me on uh, Twitter at YourBoyZC. I mostly just posted a lot of uh, normal stuff on there, but, you know, bought some fun stuff. I, I use that more than any other platform, but 
Check out ColorCast. I do a show called Must Be the Money on Monday and Thursday nights from 6 to 7 p.m. And, I mean, this is a lot of fun, man. I love talking about this game, obviously. And as a Colts fan, it remains my uh, my favorite memory as a professional football fan. So uh, thank you for giving me the platform to talk about it. I appreciate it and uh, look forward to collaborating with you more in the near future. For the shoe, my friend. For the shoe. For the shoe. Once again, I'd like to thank Upbeat.io for the music for this podcast. Check out Upbeat.io and check the description if you'd like access to the music that I use in this episode. I'd like to thank my partner, Brianna, for always being there and supporting me through all of this. She has been incredible and I am super happy to have her uh, in my life. So thank you, babe. Uh, I'd like to thank anyone who's taken the time out of their day to listen to any one of my episodes over the last three plus years. It has been quite an adventure we've been on and I am happy to continue to do this. Just keep sharing those episodes out and let's continue to grow this thing. There's a historic moment that you're interested in me covering for the Armchair Commentary. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me at Armchair Comment 2 on Twitter. Find me at Armchair Commentary on Instagram and on Facebook at Armchair Commentary. Look for the logo. You'll find me. I am right there. It has been an interesting week. I am so happy to take you on this fun walk down memory lane. Let's do it again uh, soon. Be safe. Take care.